Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Here's Jamal Agnew. Jamal Agnew, big return. There goes Jamal Agnew. And finally gets taken out by Mason Crosby. Um, yeah, very frustrated, number one. Very frustrated. Um, you know, it's it's a deal where you, we've tried to clean those things up and you give up something like that and one or two plays is a disaster. Yeah, special teams for the Packers have, have not been special, specifically the last three, four weeks. Five weeks, really. Sean Menanga has his work cut out for him, not to be the Achilles heel of this team as they start to get down the stretch and into the postseason. Welcome back. Hey, a reminder, it's not a betting site. I mean, it's not a betting app, but BetQL can help you if indeed you are somebody that likes to uh, look at the odds, so to speak, and all the statistics that would help you when it comes to maybe a little uh, little side wagering, a uh, little, little wagering in general, for that matter, go to BetQL. BetQL is an app you can download on your mobile device. You can go to BetQL.com, open up an account, and uh, just see all the, uh, the the key statistics that may or may not help you uh, along the way if uh, you are a betting person or you like to play the odds. Uh, but go to BetQL.com or just download the app, BetQL, on your mobile device. Again, it's not a betting uh, site. But it can help you with all the stats and statistics you may need. Uh, Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. And, and Mike, uh, let's start with the uh, special team. Sean Menanga's got his work cut out for him. This thing cannot be the Achilles heel of this team down the stretch. We've seen too many NFC Championship games go by the wayside because of special teams. Yeah, and I'm. it's hard to figure out because, you know, players on special teams – there's some organization, uh, particularly on the coverage teams, you're supposed to run a lane. There's certain things you're supposed to watch. There's edges you're supposed to cover. But for the most part, it's what it is. It's running down the field as fast as you can and trying to get a speedy ball carrier down uh, shortly after catching the football. J.K. Scott hung a, uh, did not hang a couple of punts in a couple of those returns and situations that they've had. His punting's been a little off. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, he missed, he almost didn't make it to Indianapolis. He had to come down on a private plane because of a, a personal matter, and we don't know what that is. Uh, since then, he's, you know, I think he's got things back together. But Sean Menig is, is trying to figure this out with the inconsistencies as you get closer to the postseason, and now he's, you know, he's given up three now. And they, they knew 
that Agnew was going to is this guy's returned four to the House in the last couple of years, um, and so they knew he could be a threat, and yet he gasses them, you know, down the left sideline, right in front of Matt Lafleur and those guys, and you got Mason Crosby having to push him out. Uh, fortunately, the defense was able to hold and to to a field goal. So Sean was asked about this: has the has the coverage teams performed in the past four weeks? Are they on the decline? And what are, what are some of the reasons he sees? We haven't had a lot of explosive plays, but we've played pretty clean. And then we give up. You know, there's there's one or two plays, and like I said before, I mean it's it's 31 play series on special teams, and you give up something like that, and one or two plays is a disaster for a game. I mean, it can change the whole game and stuff, and that's so it's been extremely frustrating. But there's never. In special teams, I mean, we can fit kickoffs and and we can we can cover punts and lanes and those kind of things. But it's not like defense where, you know, if I'm if I'm running an over front or an under front or I'm running a, a bare front and I'm going to run and work against inside zone or I'm working against power and and at certain formations and guys are going to be in similar spots. And in special teams, it's it's such a space play that there's no two plays that are ever the same. And so you want guys you know used to being next to each other and those kind of things and you know, we just we've had some breakdowns where you know guys have gotten pinned or avoided the wrong way, or you know there's been some missed tackles and things like that. So, you know, we just try to teach these guys and show them on film, and we'll you know we'll go through and we'll try to drill it the best we can. And again, it's it's very frustrating because you don't want those things to happen, and um, you know we don't want regression. I mean, I felt like we've we've taken steps, and then obviously we've slid back here and stuff. So it's it's very frustrating. I guess do they need to appoint gunners and such, or has this thing just been all herky-jerky because injuries have caused guys to become starters and then suddenly guys are more valuable and they're not playing special teams? What has been the problem? Yeah, that's one thing because Lazard was playing on a gunner role last year. And I told you several weeks ago that Menenga actually just kind of volunteered this. Um, we were looking for who who stands out in your coverage teams when this, before this really had become an issue and he smilingly and in a good mood he said uh, oh you know i can count on will redmond i can count on equinemius st brown and malik taylor i like to call them my first in guys you know essentially gunners or the guys that he can depend on that have got the speed that have got the drive uh that are a little bit of crazy to get down the field to hustle and be the first guy to break down once that ball is is picked up by the ball carrier I've got to think that, that that would be the smart thing to do as you now start thinking about postseason. Who are the guys you're going to depend on at those edges? And we asked Sean about that. Do, do you need to designate two role players at Gunner? Um, I don't think the, really the Gunner depth has been. You know, there, there's some guys as injuries happen and things, and you, you roll some different you know younger guys in and stuff that maybe aren't as experienced. But we felt like we've always had enough guys there that we wouldn't have to use a veteran guy. I mean, there's – you know, there's a limited pool there and stuff. And I, I think just as the trickle-down effect happens and stuff, I mean, as you as you start losing guys and, and guys get elevated in different roles and things, I mean, you're going to call on a guy if, if need be and stuff, and those guys come to meetings and are ready. But, um, you know, it's there's a limited pool of players, and that's just the way it is at this point in the year and stuff. And we've, we've just got to make sure everybody's ready and, and doing their job. Uh, that being said, regarding the special teams, I mean, obviously the defense is the other area of concern, Mike, and maybe more so, is it little middle linebackers? Is it defensive front? I, I like what Chris Bar Barnes is doing, but it's like they've got 
guys that uh, Kamal Martin has come on, but as far as snaps go, you're not seeing guys get as many snaps as maybe we would like. The plan was Christian Kirksey. I mean, this is, you know, in the offseason in the spring. And then another inside linebacker to be determined, maybe your fifth-round pick and Kamal Martin, maybe Ty Summers steps it up. Let's see what happens when we get into camp. I found this really interesting. First of all, Patton will say, you know, if that offense of ours, that dynamic offense is up by two touchdowns, then that changes things that we're going to do on the defense. And he'll go to the dime because he just assumes that now their opponent is trying to play catch-up and they're going to start throwing the ball around, so he's just going to sit back in the dime and he's going to give up the run. Well, you saw that happen. That, that cost them because Frank Wright figured that out coming out of the locker room at halftime down in Indianapolis. We'll just run the damn ball until they change. They've seen that pattern. But Mike Patton basically has admitted now that after Christian Kirksey, there was quite a while there where he didn't trust anybody because of what he had available. Kamal Martin, who flashed in training camp, then was out several weeks with the knee. Most recently, Chris Barnes, who he put in that position, has been out with the COVID. He just got back in. But basically what he's saying here is, Oren Burks and Ty Summers, I don't feel good about putting the radio helmet on those guys. And so that's why he has spent much of the season waiting for those guys to get back. And so he talked about that, that he, that's the way he saw this interior defense as the only inside linebackers he trusted was Chris Barnes. For a stretch of time, that, you know, that there was only one linebacker we felt that was it, that in that group compared to, you know, relative to, to, the, uh, to the other players, whether that was an extra safety or even an extra lineman or outside backer when we, when we get into the 5-1 stuff. So, uh, but we're feeling much more confident about that group now. Uh, and, and, and with the uh, with Raven's unfortunate situation with the injury, uh, that, that um, we can certainly see uh, as that inside linebacker group's getting healthy, you know, with with uh, with with KB coming back and being being full go along with uh, Kamal and, and and Kirko. I mean, you feel like we got three guys there that that uh, that we could we can roll for for those whether it's one or two jobs that are out there. And then we also from from a safety standpoint have some young guys that that we. Uh, you know, that, that we feel good about in, in Vernon and, and Henry. So, uh, you know, we'll see what, um, you know, as, as we move forward, I, I think it'll be kind of a combination of all of it. But we, you know, but to land the plane, I, I do feel like you know, we, we do feel better about the, about that inside backer room. Mike, uh, I guess with Raven Green and that shoulder injury, he talks about that secondary and feeling good about that group. It's glad that he's feeling better about the linebackers, but with Raven Green, as much as you can say, well, how how integral is Raven Green? He did play a, a key role. I mean, everybody, it seems to be a, a defense and, well, an offense for that matter, of role players, not stars, and Raven Green played a role. He did, and the thing is, Mike Patton prioritizes trying to stop the deep pass over the team trying to run the football on you on first down. It's just the way he's wired. He famously said in a session late last season when the Super Bowl was going to be held in Miami, he said, you know what, it's easier to fly to Miami than to run to Miami. Basically, I would rather uh, give up some runs up the middle rather than worry about the deep ball over you know, Adrian Amos's head. So with a guy like Raven Green who can – still have a bit of the speed like a safety, but also can step up over the middle and help bring down a tight end or a running back breaking through, you know, like a Delvin Cook. Um, you know, that's what he wants. Well, this guy, once again, is out now with a shoulder injury. 
it looks like it's season ending. I mean, he's not only on IR, but LaFleur kind of intimated like it doesn't look like he's going to be able to come back. You know, Patton is probably looking for who's going to replace him. And, you know, so there was a thought that I had that from listening to him, if he's got Barnes and he's got Kamal Martin back, you know, Kirksey, he has said before, he said this about a month ago, Christian Kirksey's really natural position is not inside linebacker, but a weak side linebacker. That's what he did in Cleveland. And he's got the speed, and maybe we could have him covering tight ends. Now, you saw him doing that yesterday, and they brought in Will Redman, who's not like Raven Green. Well, Redmond could not stop big running backs. So Patton was asked about, you know, with Raven Green out with the shoulder, um, what do you, where do you go from here? Uh, potentially. I mean, it's a, a lot of it is, is, is driven by the opponent and, and what situations that, that we're in. Are, are we in, you know, is it, is it second and longer? Is it, is it third down? Uh, what's, the, you know, what's the score of the game? Are, are, are we up and not as concerned about the run? Uh, and sometimes you just you know, just feel matchups, kind of what they're doing schematically. Uh, so it's it's a combination of factors. I mean, I can't sit here and say uh, that um, you know what the what the numbers are going to be. We don't I don't really go into a game with a with a plan because everything that we do is so re- so reactionary. So um, I, as I, as I just said, I I just see it kind of being a blend of of, of everything that we that we talked about, whether going rolling with two true linebackers or. Um, we're, we're still still going with the uh, still going with the extra safety, and then then obviously we have the stuff that we do out of the where we have you know five bigs on the field with um, with a single linebacker and a, and a nickel secondary. Well, some questions on offense. Uh, well, they're minimal, but the defense and the special teams those are big questions. We're uh, going to stop and take a break. Come back. A lot more to get to. Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, as we break down this team moving forward, heading towards the postseason and such. And I, I know special teams are <laughs> – it's an area of concern for a lot of people. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Um, yeah, very frustrated. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. touchdown number 14 to lead the nfl this year for Devontae adams and number 37 for aaron Rodgers to lead the nfl as well what a duo this is you know if a defense wants to they, they can really target and try to take an individual away and a lot of times that happens to be the guy wearing number 17 welcome back glad you are with us and it continues to get better and better between those two. Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Devontae with the move, the shake and bake, and off he went, taking it to the house. Glad to have you back. Uh, Mike Clemens, our Green Gold Insider, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. And uh, that was – we talked with Jordy Nelson about the back shoulder throw and why it's kind of gone by the wayside. But that throw was a back shoulder throw, Mike. Yeah, it was kind of weird, though, because when you watch the replay – uh, Devontae's actually, I mean, the guy, this Amani Aurora is a second round, the second year kid, fifth round pick out of Penn State, number 24. And he's got kind of outside leverage. And I'm still trying to think if Rodgers at the last second saw, oh, this guy's outside, maybe if I throw it inside, I can see a lane there for Devontae. I mean, it's just, this is split second stuff, but this is where Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are on just some next level. Because 
you know, it looks like Devontae's trying to shoot for the sideline and then will turn back to his right and get the back shoulder throw. But he ends up sort of catching the ball over his head and turns it into an inside run. And from there, you know, it, 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 he just goes for it. And he, he races 60, 56 yards into the end zone. For the eighth consecutive game, he has scored a touchdown. You have to go back to 1944 and Don Hudson, who actually had eight consecutive games two or three years there during World War II. That's how far back, that's how tough that record is. And you start looking at all these other names, too, like Carol Dale and Donald Driver and James Lofton and all these other great Packer players over the years, and this guy beats all those guys. Now he's number one in the record book, in the Packers record book, and he, he talked about that play. I mean, I, I felt I felt really good about it. Aaron put it in a spot where um, initially it was kind of tough, but after the the uh, adjustment inside to the ball, um, I kind of had to body it a little bit, and I didn't feel his presence anymore because it actually ended up turning into a much better pass than a, a regular back shoulder because um, I was actually able to keep moving upfield and not lose too much speed. And I don't think it. Uh, I think the the DB kind of was caught off guard by, by that a little bit, but. Um, yeah, once I came down with it, took a couple strides upfield, I knew the corner wasn't wasn't really in play anymore and the safety was kind of in no man's land. So it was really just about me being precise with my feet and, um, you know, just getting, getting those knees up and getting the end zone. So I, I felt pretty good about it. The offense, and Mike, we talked about this a little while ago, the offense seems to be really just fluid. It's, it's, I, I, I hate to compare it to 2011 because the personnel are very different. But it kind of feels like that, that things just, you know, Aaron Rodgers is making it look effortless right now. And the other thing is this. The Green Bay Packers offense is one of the reasons that they were jumping out and scoring first in the first seven or eight games of the year is because Battlefloor even said that late Friday afternoons, like, you know, there's no question. Right now we are most efficient with our scripted first 15 plays. It's because the guys are mentally ready. We, we, we get into a rhythm when we practice that in our final practice, you know, when we're going full speed. Um, and then after that, you know, it's just a little bit more unpredictable because the situations change. Maybe somebody has to leave the game. And, and I, didn't, I wasn't bothered that the fact that Matthew Stafford and the Lions put up 14 points to match the Packers, you know, toe-to-toe in the first half because Daryl Bevel's a good offensive coordinator. And he's got a team that's excited and back on and probably working harder because they apparently all hated Matt Patricia's guts. So you saw you saw Daryl Bevel and Matthew Stafford's first 15 or 20 plays as well, and the game went back and forth like that. The real key is this. Is this offense now in sync and with the weapons you've got between Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, you've got a left tackle, and David Bakhtiari, highest paid in the league. You've got Aaron Jones, who they kind of seem to be, you know, Keep it in the garage. Let's let Jamal Williams pound the rock. Let's keep Aaron Jones when we really need him for the big time. How good is this offense, Devontae Adams? Can it take you to the Super Bowl? You know, I'm, I'm enjoying where we're at, enjoying where the position that my coach and uh, my quarterback are putting me in and, and the rest of the wideouts, rest of the team. So, you know, it, it can get scary because the more people we get on that boat, the more get comfortable, fully comfortable out there to where they feel like they should win every time and make every single play. And that's when, you know, it's going to be off the chain around here. Off the chain around here, you know. Look, uh, you, you know, I've always said you got to be good, uh, you got to be lucky, you got to be healthy, but you got to get hot at the right time. And it certainly seems like, again, it's against lesser talent. I don't want to get out of my skis, but it certainly seems like, at least offensively, they're getting hot at the right time. 
They are. And then on the other side of the coin, you know, we talked to Daryl Bevel, the former Wisconsin Badger coach, the quarterback coach in Green Bay that was there that first year with Aaron Rodgers and with Brett and, you know, with the Vikings and with the with the Seahawks when they won the Super Bowl. And, you know, this guy is not only missing his two starting cornerbacks against Devontae Adams and crew, but Everson Griffin then, who was Friday, was talking really excited about going against his old foe, David Bakhtiari, all those years those two went back together. You know, Bakhtiari used to call this guy the best defensive end in the NFC North. And then uh, Griffin ends up testing positive for COVID. So Daryl Bevel talked about those challenges after the game last night. Yeah, it's, it's always, you know, tough to lose players um, of that caliber. You know, we had guys, you know, Kareem Martin was able to, to get in there and get some, some reps for us and, um, you know, gave effort. They fought their best ability out there. Would we love to have Everson? Absolutely. And, that, you know, I think you can make a difference for us. Uh, but that wasn't the case today. And, you know, you're going up against a great offense there and a great quarterback. I think we did get them in a couple of, uh, you know, some long situations that they were able to get, you know, to, to convert those into uh, shorter situations. Um, got to do a better job on third down, make those a little bit longer. So, uh, so it's harder to convert some of those. Uh, but we'll go back and we'll make those corrections and look at it on tape. I uh, I know that that catch that wasn't a catch by Marvin Jones, uh, the way it was called, that it kind of deflated them a little bit. But they still went on to score after that. It just took about two and a half more minutes to get to the end zone. Yeah, I, you know, Marvin Jones always comes up with these big plays against Green Bay, and I thought that this was just another one. They said he was out of bounds, and the tape didn't look like it. But here's what Marvin said after what could have been him having it first and 10 for his team at the one Green Bay one-yard line. Very difficult. It's just, um, I, I think, it, you know, when something like that happens, um, you know, you get more motivated, you know, to make another catch, you know. So right when that happened and they took that away, um, I was like, shoot, I want to I get something again. So, um, you know, you just got to, you know, put it put it uh, behind you, um, you know, because it is what it is. You know, you can't you can't change it. Or, um, you know they'll they'll probably look at it and holler at coach tomorrow and you know and, and tell and tell the truth. They'll, <laughs> they'll tell the truth. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do got a question for you, Mike, and I, I can always hold off on this, but I got a question about Matt Patricia before it's all said and done. So don't let me forget this because I had a couple of people ask me this question, but I do know uh, the Packers coming out in that third quarter. You know, look, I, I don't think they in, intended to go on that long drive, but that certainly set the tone for the second half of that game. Yeah, well, they won the toss, elected to defer, and Matt Stafford raced the lines down the field and into for a touchdown. So Green Bay knew they are getting the ball back, and the fact that they kept the lines to only three plays in the third quarter to help change momentum, Aaron Rodgers said definitely was a turning point. Matt LaFleur asked, so were you trying to have long, sustained drives to dominate the third quarter? Well, not necessarily. I, I think that just kind of was the we, we took what they were giving us and it was a bunch of single high and the run game wasn't as explosive as we'd like. But that that tends to happen when you're you're going against loaded boxes um, and just, you know, we were methodical in our approach. I also think we had a couple penalties that kind of set us back. We were in some of those get back on track situations and, um, you know, our guys just stuck with it and you know, grind it out in that third quarter. It was it was awesome to see our defense get that three and out, and we were able to follow up that. It was roughly nine minute drive with about an eight minute drive to go up two scores, which I think was you know really the difference in the game. And it pretty much was. It kind of it just uh, I, I think the the way it was described was death by a thousand cuts when it came to 
the Packers just kind of grinding on that defense of the Detroit Lions. But I appreciate the fact I keep comparing this to 2011, but that 2011 team was vastly different. Uh, that was a lot of guys that could be stars on any team, where this team is just different. Well, and Aaron Rodgers was asked about this, too. I mean, he, he said the other day, now, this would be the seventh NFC division title that they've won since he was the starting quarterback. They've been to four NFC championships, but those are always on the road. I mean, the last one at home, I guess, was the one when Favre threw the ball to Corey Webster and the Giants went on to, to beat the Patriots back in 07. So, you know, this is why Rodgers has started to say early in the season, after they beat the Saints, it's like, we've got to get home. We've got to play at home. I'm convinced, because I think he already predicted, it's us and the Saints at the end of this thing. Maybe the Rams and their great mm-hmm. defense. So the other, the other thing that's different is, what's different about this team than all those division winners under Mike McCarthy? First of all, when you give a guy a role, you empower him. And when that, that player embraces that role uh, and makes the most of it, it, it lifts the entire squad. And I feel like when you have a guy, you know, single him out again, uh, like Mercedes, who embraces his role. He's a wide tight end on the ball blocker. Uh, he occasionally gets a target, but he is an on the ball physical guy. And this, the standard that he sets and his approach and his professionalism, I think it sets a great example of what it means to be a role player. I, I would agree with that. I, you don't have a bunch of superstars, but everybody does one thing or two things well, not everything well. Superstars do everything well. A lot of these guys do one or two things well, and that's what you rely upon. But the other thing is don't let these guys sit idly. You've got to figure, find some assignments for right. them and let them establish themselves in that. So now here you are, 10-3. and You've got a good shot of going 13-3 and again. And so Matt LaFleur was asked, okay, have you improved? Last year you were thirteen and three. Your rookie year. What's different in twenty twenty? You know, I just feel really good about our team. But again, we're going to focus one day at a time. And and I know we have the Carolina Panthers coming up on a short week. And I'm I know they'll be gassed up, ready to play. It sounds like they're going to get some guys back. And um, we got to make sure we bring our best each and every week. Because if you don't, it's just too competitive in this league. You can't take anything for granted. you got to earn everything that you get, and that's the mindset and the mentality that we need to have. We need to – and it all starts with our preparation. And I felt like that our preparation and just the energy and excitement to, to come to work each and every day has been getting better and better. And our guys understand what's at stake. There's a lot to play for. And certainly, um, again, you, you just got you got to earn it one game at a time. Mike, is this year's team better than last year's team? Oh, yeah. And you know why? Particularly that offense and the execution. And then you see players growing on the other side of the ball, like Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, smarter every game, um, a guy who's enthusiastic, wants to make the big play. And Lafleur says, you know, with Savage, if he just lets the, the, the game come to him a little bit, then he'll get those picks and turnovers. That's a good problem to have. I like this team in the sense, Mike, that uh, when you look at them as opposed to last year, they also have the experience from what they had last year coming out of that NFC Championship game. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is I don't see a, a powerhouse team on the NFC side of the coin like where the 49ers were a year ago at this time. The Rams' defense is really improving. 
and you know it seems like Sean McVay has got you know Jared Goff to at least execute the the offense to get him through. Uh, the Saints, we know what they're all about. They're a little bit better team than what you faced down in New Orleans, you know, back in September. But I don't see that powerhouse in the NFC like the 49ers were a year ago at this time. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I got a question for Mike Clemens as well uh, regarding Matt Patricia. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show up next. Welcome back. Only a couple of minutes to go before we get out of here. Mike uh, Clemens joining us, our Green and Gold Insider. Hey, Mike, uh, I've been asked numerous times if by chance the Packers decide to part ways with their defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, uh, Matt Patricia's name came up. And I was watching uh, this morning on the NFL Network about where he could possibly land. Do you think Matt Patricia – I mean, I know what, what you stated was that the guys apparently just hated him. Do you think he lands somewhere, and would uh, Green Bay be a landing spot for Matt Patricia, who was considered a pretty good defensive coordinator under Bill Belichick before he became the head coach of the Lions? I think he would go back to New England um, and, and and help out Belichick again uh, before he would do that, or maybe take some kind of a college game, a college assignment. You know, the thing about it is the the – the road is littered with careers from Steve Mariucci to Jim Caldwell. I mean, to good people, you know, have mm-hmm. gone through that place. And we've talked long about Matt Millen, you know, was it all him or was it the family pushing him and some of the choices that he made and the way the team was run his, I think he was there eight years or so. Uh, you know, the, they've got, you know, the, one of the daughters now is is supposed to be the, the figurehead of Detroit, so that's what figures in there. Why wouldn't I see Matt Patricia uh, making that connection? Well, first of all, there seemed to be a little juice between Matt Patricia and the Packers, uh, whether it was McCarthy or Joe Philbin or or uh, or even uh, Matt Lafleur. I also mm-hmm. think that uh, you know Nathaniel Hackett is so positive and so vocal. And Lafleur, as you see from the podium, is a little bit more reserved. I mean, Lafleur's kind of the surgeon, you know, of the place. Mm-hmm. He's the doctor. He's the pilot, uh, and he needs more, probably more of a rah-rah guy if he moved on from Mike Pettin, because Mike Pettin is is very dry, very calculated. You saw him get emotional when they had twelve men on the field yesterday. You know, right. both getting blown up. But I would think that if if Matt Lafleur brings in his own guy, and I don't see him. I don't see him bringing in a Dan Quinn guy. But Dan Quinn's a very good players coach. Um, I would think it would be probably someone from his past uh, that, or one of his guys has a connection with that would be fresh and not a guy that you just faced in the division. I'd be really surprised if Matt Patricia was even interviewed in Green Bay. See, I, I thought so, too, and the fact that he really did not have a great exit from Detroit, uh, you know, if the reports are true, that basically when the announcement made he was fired, that guys cheered. I can't imagine Green Bay in any way, shape, or form wanting him, but uh, it was just a question that was posed, and it was some, one of the scenarios that was put out there this morning, and I thought, I just didn't see it happening, and maybe I'm wrong, but uh, well, here's the other thing. So Sheila were. Ford Hamp now is running the thing, and, and now if she does the right thing, and hires a good GM, and then lets him run football and stays the hell out of it, can, you know, them 
can that guy turn things around? Now, there's other kinds of candidates are out there. But I had kind of an oh-my-God moment over the weekend. It's a guy who, you know, the Browns are doing pretty good right now, right? And the mm-hmm, Chiefs, right. they won the Super Bowl. Who was at both of those teams when they were totally rebuilding? Oh, Dorsey. I know. His name's being kicked around as well. I mean, you know, they're talking about him for the Jaguars, and I thought, oh, great, that's a good fit. But then when you realize the Lions are are right now looking for a general manager to rebuild their roster, rebuild their football operation, and John Dorsey sitting there? Yeah. Yeah, that would not be good. <laughs> that no, would not be good no, for Green Bay. Not for the Green Bay perspective, absolutely. No. Mike, good stuff as always, pal. Thank you, Billy. There you go, with a green and gold Monday in the books. Packers, the top seed in the NFC as it sits today. We continue to get you ready for the Saturday night contest against the Carolina Panthers coming up all throughout the week. We'll mix in a few other things as well, but uh, good stuff today. Good stuff for all the callers as well. Great to hear from everybody all throughout the network. Time for us to get out of here until we talk again. Have a go. See you. Sports Talk Network. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.